welcome to the Stranger Times podcast. I'm author C.K. McDonnell or Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. There's a reference only some of you'll get and the rest you'll find very, very weird. You're very welcome to this, the season one finale of what has been, I think I'm not overstating the case here, the greatest series of podcasts ever put out in the world. I know that's a strong claim, but I'm standing by it. Very proud of them. Very proud of the stories. And, you know, proud of you guys. Yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. Pray to you guys for sticking with us through thick and thin, through all kinds of stories you've had now. We've had uh, stuff and, you know, samples of the book, which is going very well, by the way. If you haven't got the audiobook, it's getting very good reviews. It was uh, the Times Audiobook of the Week. Thank you very much. Big shout out to Brendan McDonald there. No relation, though, I'll be honest, might adopt him. That's how well it's going. Anyway, this week, what we're going to have is edited highlights of the launch event for the Stranger Times book, which I assume you all own by now in at least four different formats. But it was the launch event. We did it on Facebook. Some of you might have heard at the time. I say this is edited highlights because the full show featured my great friend Duncan Oakley doing a very appropriate medley at the end. And also there was, I'll be honest, the highlight of the show was Dilla the Dog doing his trick, being an absolute legend. But that you'll be shocked to hear, doesn't come across fully on the audio format. But if you do want to watch it, uh, it is on the Facebook page, on the Stranger Times Facebook page and the Cueve McDonald Facebook page. The reason we have two of them is not everyone can spell Cueve. I think we've covered this before. So yes, in the podcast you're about to hear, I'm interviewed by the wonderful Mark Stay. As I record this, it is Tuesday the 2nd of February. Tuesday the 4th of February, The Crow Folk by Mark Stay comes out. Genuinely, sincerely brilliant book. I'm going to be interviewing him on a live Facebook event and stuff. Sort of like we did for mine. Uh, he did he was nice enough to interview me and I'm returning the favour. But genuinely, big fan of the book. It's kind of set in World War Two. It's sort of Dad's Army meets Charmed, I think, is the quote I actually gave for it. But it's very good. If you enjoy Terry Pratchett and all that sort of stuff, it's definitely that area. I highly recommend it. Do check it out. Outside of that, there will also be, at the end of this, a dramatic reading by me of the acknowledgements from my book. The acknowledgements, incidentally, which the reviewer for The Times, when he said, gave it audiobook of the week, said were cringeworthy. So um, that's exciting. <laughs> Genuinely, if you call the part of it cringeworthy, you've got to wonder what the books that didn't make it to book of the week sounded like. But nevertheless, that's no criticism of the book itself or indeed Brendan. It's just entirely this guy did not like the idea for the acknowledgements. And to be honest, uh, you know, fair enough. I've not always liked everything the Times has printed. There, I've said it. They did give us a very good review. I'm not slagging them off. Before we get to that, though, big announcement. Uh, yeah, there, I'm going to have the uh, I presume a lot of people who listen to this, by all means, not everybody will have heard of my other work as Queeve McDonald. That's my other name. The Dublin trilogy and stuff. Basically, what we're doing is we're going to have a once a month live thing, but it's going to be what we're calling the Bunnycast Book Club or the BBC for short. Pretty sure that's free. What we're going to do on the BBC is each month I will be reading one of my my own books as there's now nine of those buggers out there uh, in the book, starting with a man with one of those faces. So what we're doing in the book club, something a bit different, we thought we'd try it out, is we're going to do it as a live thing, so you're welcome to come along and see the show, or it will be available afterwards as both podcast or uh, on the Facebook page as a live video thing. And I'm going to have read the book, which for a man with one of those faces, I haven't actually read it, probably three or four years. So I'm going to revisit my youth 
as it were. And you're all invited to read it as well between now and February 24th and then 8pm February 24th. It'll be a bit of crack. I mean, it's going to be, you know, quite lighthearted and stuff. It'll be live on the Facebook and on the YouTube like it was last time. So we're going to be, you know, chatting about the book. I'll answer any questions anyone has live on the night or if any questions beforehand, please do send them in to Queeve at whiteheadirishman.com and Wonderwife will be going through them all and she will be quiz master for the evening, we think. But yeah, it should be a bit of a laugh. The dog's probably not going to do his trick every time, but, you know, we might break it out in a two or three times. You know, maybe when we get to the third book in the series, if we if we keep going that long. But yeah, it should be a good laugh. And you can ask anything you want about the book. You know, ideally that book, you know, don't don't go ask about Disaster Inc. It'd be weird. It's kind of defeating the purpose. But it might be a half an hour. I'd say, you know, half an hour, an hour. It's going to be a bit crack. So, and then we'll, it'll also be live on the Bunnycast web feed, which is the other podcast. If you're not subscribed to that, it's just look for the Bunnycast. It's available everywhere this is, I think. So there you go. That's going to be happening February 24th. Do turn up because I'm going to do it regardless. Uh, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Ireland slash Britain time. That's 3 p.m. in New York. That's uh, an earlier time than that in Los Angeles. Or, or, and then in Australia, that's, I mean, I've no idea. I love Australia, but I'll be honest. I always thought they were exactly 12 hours ahead or behind us, but apparently that's not the case. And ever since the wife explained that to me, I'm out. I can't, I can't, there's no way I'm ever going to understand what's going on there. I'll be honest. I might go flat earth. It makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> better not. Anyway, you don't need to hear me rambling on because now we're going to have me rambling on, which is me being interviewed by Mark Stay. He asked questions about The Strange Times and there's questions from the audience about uh, the bunny books and all that sort of stuff. There's, I think there's a story in there about a sex toy. If you're easily offended by the words penis pump, not one I had, but it'll become clear. But that is in there as well. So if you're offended by the words penis pump, I've said them twice now. So you're already offended. You might as well stay. That's the thing. You can't really warn people about a penis pump without saying the words penis pump. It's very much the kind of thing that you just have to slap it on and see how people enjoy it. That's too far as a gag. I apologise. Anyway, listen, uh, thank you very much for your wonderful support. Do keep dropping us an email. Any thoughts you have on the Strange Times podcast or on the BBC slash Bunnycast book club idea, please do, in all sincerity, drop us an email. We honestly do want to hear your ideas on it. We will do that for The Stranger Times as well at some point, of course. But for now, here is the edited highlights of the Stranger Times launch event, where it's me and the wonderful Mark Stay having a bit of a chat, followed by me doing a live read in the acknowledgements. But I don't care what the Times say. I think it's funny. So there you go. Uh, enjoy this and uh, do come join us for the BBC. There might even be another podcast, but if there is, we'll let you know. I've got an idea for a podcast. I'm not sure how good it is or how much hassle it's going to be, but it might also happen. Might not. Never know. Yeah, this, this, I could have said goodbye. This felt like I should have said goodbye before and now I've kind of just needlessly extended this bit. So that's lockdown for you. Anyway, enjoy. <laughs> Just in case there's anyone in the room who's not looked at the blurb of the book, not read the book, tell us, Quig, what is Stranger Times about? Basically, it's it's a, a newspaper set in Manchester. It's reporting the weird and wonderful around the world. Uh, basically, I've always been a little bit obsessed with weird news. I'm a subscriber to a thing called The 14 Times. It's kind of odd, weird stories around the world. It's actually, do you know what? I read that last night. There's another one there. So. <laughs> you can tell me and Mark hang out a lot, can't you? Uh, but I've always been obsessed with those kind of odd things. And I had this idea 15 years ago for a sitcom based in a newspaper kind of like that. 
Uh, and I actually wrote it as a sitcom script, which somebody somewhere in the world might still have a copy of. Um, but I've, I, I don't. I've checked. But basically, I wrote it. My age at the time didn't seem to get it. Didn't go anywhere. But I always had this idea. I loved it. And then um, I had to write. I wanted to write something that wasn't the muddy books. Um, you know, to do something different a couple of years ago at this point where we're thinking about it. I had all these ideas up on a board behind me for a serious crime thriller and stuff. I woke up one morning and the idea of, remember the Stranger Times? I also re- remember it really, really distinctly. It was such an odd morning. I, I Like my brain had sort of thought of it during the night or something like that. I, I thought, oh, yeah, Stranger Times. I went into the shower and I was thinking about it. I was remembering all the bits and like the editor Bancroft and stuff. Those things were all there. Um, and I was thinking about it, going, oh, yeah, that was a you know, very different idea. It wasn't a crime idea. It's kind of a more paranormal thing. Literally got out of the shower. I walked to my office where I wrote several of the buddy books back from when I was my old flat. Um, and it's like a 25-minute walk. And I was walking through Manchester, obviously. And by the time I got there, I was like, I could put that paper here. And I was literally, I was on a, the second floor of this old creaky building. I ran upstairs and it was one of those moments where just furiously writing stuff down going, it just all came together. I thought Manchester's a perfect place for it. This, the actual church that's in it, I could even share a picture of it at some point in the future. The church that the, the paper is, is, um, is in is actually a building I passed, but it's based on a building I pass every day on my way to that office. So it all just sort of came together in my head really quickly. Um, and yeah, from there, it was just kind of rolling, really. Okay, okay. So it's set in a strange, uh, a kind of Fortean times, but it's not as slick as the Fortean times. It's a bit shambolic. It's it's past its best, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's a sort of a, a sort of weird kind of tabloidy paper that you kind of they're sort of struggling to survive. What happens is they're struggling to survive, and then Vincent Bancroft, the editor, comes in. He's fallen on very hard times. He the idea was he was like the big guy on Fleet Street in London, the sort of tabloid, the dark prince in charge of a tabloid. And then um, some stuff happens in his life, and he basically goes into a downward spiral, and he ends up at the, at the Stranger Times, uh, where he is a nightmare to work for. Um, and basically, when we come in with, we meet a lady called Hannah, who's had a bit of a bad life for herself. She basically has just left her philandering husband. She's given up the nice, soft life she has. She is come, And then she comes to Manchester. She's looking for any job. And this is the only thing she can find is a job with the Stranger Times. And the reason it's available is because nobody can hack working for Vincent Bancroft because he's basically this monstrous ogre, <laughs> um, which, by the way, is so much fun to write. Because mm. actually writing somebody who's absolutely like just just cuts everybody down left, right and centre is wonderful because we're all, I'd like to think, nice people in real life. So obviously you don't do that in real life. So the chance to just be that person in your head for a while is a wonderful stress relief. I highly recommend it. Um, So, yeah, and then basically she joins the Stranger Times and then some things happen and they realise that uh, some of the stories they're reporting aren't quite as fanciful as they first appeared and there are some very weird things going on under the surface. We won't say any more on that. But strange things happen in, in Stranger Times. Now, I know you're a fan of the 14 Times and weird stuff, and there's some very, very strange things happening in the story. You must have spent ages researching this and looking at weird news stories. Do you have, do you have any favourites? Oh, I was actually I was doing this last night. I was going through some weird news stories. There's actually because I did a game on the radio today with a friend of mine called Jason Manford, who's a brilliant comedian in Britain. He's got his own radio show. And we did a thing where we we're talking about the show. And then for a laugh, him and Steve Edge do the radio show. I got some 14 times news stories and some I made up and we did them on the radio. And then they had to guess which were real and which ones I'd made up. The one we couldn't put in because it was too rude for the time which goes out on a Sunday. But I'll tell you all now because you're all grown ups was my favorite one. I think this was in Thailand. There was a guy who got stopped by customs 
because there was something in his case they couldn't identify. And he was traveling with his mother. And he, honest to God, went to prison because he let the custom guys believe he had a bomb because he did not want his mother to realize that he had a penis pump in his luggage. <laughs> now, I don't, we live in a messed up world, folks. You all know that. That's why my point is about it the 14 times. I love knowing stuff like that is happening in the world. It's a wonderful thing. So it's all, you know, ghosts and UFOs and stuff like that as well. But I mean, I love all those things. I mean, it's because, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone, have you ever seen a ghost, Mark? Have you ever seen a UFO? Well, I, I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, I'm like um, uh, Mulder. I want to believe. I want to believe, but I've, I've not. I, and uh, I mean, you know, with your white hair, you look like you've seen a ghost. Have, have you ever had these supernatural experiences? You know, not really. I get uh, my big thing is I really want to see a UFO. And I was like, genuinely, before I gave up stand up, I was touring the country with my friends Gary and Sarah, and we'd be in the car with the tour manager and stuff. And uh, when I wasn't driving, I was always looking at the sky at night. Just looking at lights going, what about that one? Because we was like, no, go, no, that's not a yes, it's best when it's me and my friend Gary, because he's we got on great, but we got very different views on a lot of things, not least of which he doesn't believe in anything, which is really annoying because he has a brilliant ghost story where he can't explain what happened to him in this harp in this situation. And he doesn't believe in ghosts. He was literally with his old uh, oh, I'll tell us, he won't know. Uh, he was in <laughs> bed with his old girlfriend. They were asleep. Uh, it was a flat down in London, an old flat that the girlfriend had a big ball of light appeared in the room and like literally he went lit up the entire dark room, lit up the entire room and then disappeared. And he said, it also said, it said it felt very aggressive. Um, and he went around the whole room looking at everything electrical. They couldn't find any reason for it. They even had like electrician come in, couldn't find any device, but they said this thing. And that was the same flat where somebody was staying in it a few weeks later. He was staying on their sofa, a mate of theirs. And he said, um, what was going on during the night? What was it been? We kept walking up and down the hallway. Ooh. And they were like, nobody had gone into the hallway. Um, now, what annoys me with that story is that happened to Gary, and Gary doesn't believe anything. Yeah, that didn't happen to me, and I want to believe stuff. Um, mm. Which, you know, but yeah, so I've never seen anything. I actually spent a night in a famous haunted house uh, with a bunch of comedians. We genuinely, a friend of ours called Barry Dodds does a thing called the Parapod which he talks about, he goes around hunting, because he believes in all this stuff, and another mate of ours doesn't believe in any of them. They did a brilliant podcast where the two of them sort of argue about it. But Barry, bless him, does ghost hunting. He brought, like, nine comedians with him to this famous haunted, and it was just like a council house somewhere in the north of England. I can't, was a, I can't remember where it was now. But uh, nothing happened. It was a lot of fun. My favourite thing was they had this um, EMF detector on their phone. Someone got this thing on their phone and said, oh, it's an EMF detector. And they were going to over beside this area with a sofa and they were going, oh, my God, over here, this it's going mental. And we're going, oh, wow. And people were getting really excited because they were always like going, this is an iPhone. And actually, I genuinely, I read it because I just went, give us your phone for a second. They went, yeah. And it turned it upside down and started going mental. I went, yeah, it just does it by the angle. It can't detect anything. It's an iPhone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I've never seen something. I mean, I don't think I'd like to see a ghost in my house. I'd love to see a UFO. Oh, but yeah, nothing yet. But. Fingers crossed. Well, I think we all want to be abducted this year of all years, <laughs> don't we? Um, yeah. So for, for people, you know, we all have the bunny books. We all love those. Uh, and I know there's always demand for more bunny books. And, and uh, you know, I believe there are more coming, you know. So, yeah, that's all cool. Certainly are. So Certainly are. What's, what's different and what's similar with Stranger Times? You know, what will we like if we, if we love the bunny books when we come to Stranger Times? 
I mean, I guess they're 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 sort of both written by me because I've you know I've been asked this question quite a bit in writers' podcasts about writing comedy, and was, my serious answer is I actually don't think comedy is a genre. What I think mm. comedy is is com- comedy is a style, and I think when comedy's gone badly in a book, it's when someone's just trying to do a gag and it just feels very forced. So what I've like I genuinely like I said this behind me is a is a book which we can explain in a minute, but. Um, I'm genuinely, my focus is the story. And my brain, if you just ask it to go between point A and point B, honestly, that's how I do it. Like, people always ask me, how do you make it funny? And I was like, that's just, it's programmed into me. I was a stand-up comic for a long time, even before that, to be honest. Um, I think I've said this before, and Elaine didn't like me saying it. But I said, you know, comedy's hardwired into my brain. Without without the ability to be funny, I never would have got, you know, uh, I, I never was my, basically, it was my source of income for 20 years. When, if it wasn't funny, I was never going to get laid. Um, you know, uh, funny's, funny's, funny's done a lot of hard work for me to hit the heavy lifting here. Um, so, yeah, funny's just hardwired into my brain. It's not like I'm trying to do it. It's just in there. And God knows how annoying it is for people. I remember the genuinely quickly, somebody, because myself and Gary's Lane, you share a house with Elaine when we were first living together. And someone in her own work went to her and went, uh, you live with two standard comedians. It must be hilarious all the time. And Elaine just went, no. They can ruin a film for you if that's any good. That's about all they're good for. Because <laughs> we do. Myself and Gary just sit there and analyse every joke going, that's like one in Blazing Saddles, isn't it? Yeah, it's like that joke of Blazing Saddles. We are horrible to live with. Um, so, yes. The, the, so, the, to go back to your original question, I've wondered far... By the way, I'm, I'm drinking rum, I should point that out. There's, there's a lot of rum in this. Um, <laughs> I explain a lot. Um, but, yeah, the humour's still there because it's, it's me and I couldn't turn it off if I wanted to, really. Um Obviously, the subject matter is a bit different, but I think as well, the, the thing that people have said is um, what all the books have, which I, I, I like personally, I think it's really important, is character is the big thing. I think if you if you make characters people like and love, and you know, and I genuinely feel affection for the characters, you know, Bunny means a lot to me and all that, and all those characters do, which is kind of why I want to keep going back to them, because I want to find out as much as readers do what's going on. And I think, again, with The Stranger Times, different characters, but they're, again, a sort of family that are dysfunctional, but you do end up sort of pulling for them. Because, I, I, you know, there's a big thing, particularly in crime, as you know well, Mark, um, there's all these books with a twist you'll never see coming and so twisty, twisty, twisty. And I, I just, I know those books so well, and I know why, and good luck, and I'm not slagging off anyone's book, to be clear. But I'm like, I'm just, I think the big thing is people want to follow a character, see what happens to them, not what happens in the story. They want to fo- If you care about the character, you want to see what happens to them. And I always thought... All the books I love, Terry Pratchett and all those, they, they were people who established great characters who you really bonded with. Fantastic. We've got some listener, got listener questions piling in. So I'll make a start into those. First one is from Jerry Riley. How difficult was it switching from comedy, so your stand-up comedy, to writing the bunny books and now this? Um, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's a good, very good question. Thank you. Um, yeah, people sort of ask about what well, was it hard. I think actually part of it was there's a guy called Scott Pack who's my editor for um, all the Bunny books. He was a, a wonderful man, and we were great. We were so lucky to get him. It was kind of a, a lucky thing, but we got him. Um, and one of the big notes he he gave me was um, at the end of a man at one of those faces. He, the original version, he went. You see, he went the last couple of chapters. You see that joke and that joke and Jack and Jack and that joke and that joke. Yeah, they're all good jokes. He'd take them all out because you've made us care about the characters. To go back to sort of our last question. And they're in peril now. And when they're actually genuinely in peril, we don't want the jokes. We want to know they're okay. We want to follow through. So he sort of taught me the importance of, because again, comedy is something I've done instinctively for so long. I think I needed to be told by someone to 
know when not to do it. And I definitely kind of got better at that. Like Angels, which was a third book, Angels in the Moonlight, um, that, as people remember, anyone's read it, it's got some very serious things in it. There's some very dark things that happen in it. Um, and I just, I think that was a book that taught me the importance of, you know, respecting that um, and not panicking that, oh God, people will want to joke here. And you go, no, they, they want to hear about the character and this is a traumatic event in their life. So sort of respect it. So I think, you know, you learn the tricks as you go. Um, and people sort of ask me, I got asked a lot today because I was, I was speaking to a couple of friends of mine who are radio hosts who are stand-up comedians and they're like missing stand-up and uh, all that, which is kind of part of it. And honestly, I mean, I, I miss the performing and stuff. I miss to a certain point, but actually really what I miss most is stand-up comedians. Um, they're genuinely some really interesting people, obviously very funny, very charming people. I mean, to be clear, not all stand-up comedians. Some of them are nightmares. And uh, now I'm retired. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes naming names. No. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. this, this is going to get some headlines in short. No. But, and some bridges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Let's assume we don't need them anymore. No, but my point is genuinely, I miss that, that kind of camaraderie. And it's an amazing thing when you do kind of sort of have these people that become part of your life and you end up part of this this cult like even 20 years from now i think part of me will still consider myself a standard comedian if i've never done another gig just because it's it's you know it's it's i'm part of that culture and i love that that thing so i miss that i got to tour with my great friends gary and sarah and i miss you know hanging out with them but sure the way things are at the minute no one can do that anyway but um so yeah but the other side of it is i i honestly feel blessed i get to come to this room every day no day do i walk down to my office in the garden and think oh god here we go I genuinely am looking forward to it. I love telling stories. And I find it hard. I, I did a writer's podcast during the week, Mark, and someone asked a question about it being difficult. And I gave the very honest answer, which was, I don't understand what people see banging on about that. I think it's a privilege. You get to make stuff up for a living. It's brilliant. I don't understand when people say it's so hard. My first job was cleaning up vomit on a ferry between Ireland and France. And to be honest, that wasn't too bad. This is definitely better than that. Um, so, you know, so, yeah, I think I'm very blessed to be able to do this. And thank you for all you people who've let me let me do it. We've got some, uh, we've got some bunny questions coming in as well. So Kelly still asked, will Ms. Monroe or Muro ever team up with Bunny? <laughs> um, there's, there's no plans for that to happen at the minute, but never say never. I do have a terrible habit. Like, I should... You know, the, bun, the Bunny in America books, which, by the way, I should point out because people are confused by this. That was never a trilogy. It's weird how I did the Dublin trilogies. The people assumed that the, the books in America was going to be a trilogy. I don't like I have a rough idea where it might end, but it was never going to be a trilogy. People kind of assume that. And then we had a couple of people getting angry at the, at the end of the last book going, why is he not found some old? Um, no, so that was never going to be a trilogy, to be clear. But um, I do have a weird thing where when Bunny went to America, I was like going to be it's much more sort of I'm going to make it much more standalone. And it's going to be like, you know, a bit sort of like, I don't know, Jack Reacher in that regard, almost there'll be standalone books. And then the first thing I did in Disaster Inc. was I came up with Smithy and Diller, which are two characters I love, who not only have appeared in every buddy book since, but they've had their own book. Um, I just keep collecting characters I like. I don't know it's because I was quite a solitary kid, but I keep building up these teams of people I like and then I can't let them go. So at some point, there might be the great big bunny Stranger Times crossover, which will almost certainly be a disaster because it would make no sense. But I, there, there won't be. I shouldn't, I shouldn't float that. People. No, there won't be. because that, that would. I mean, to be clear, bunny fighting a werewolf, that's, <laughs> that'd be fun. But it would to say it would mess up storylines would be an understatement. It'd be a hell of a left turn for bunny story. 
But yeah, so um, sorry, yes, I don't think that answered the question. I think so. We've had another question. I'm not sure if this is from Kelly, uh, but it's uh, which do you prefer writing, Bunny or Stranger Times? Now, isn't this like choosing your children or, or, yeah. or you know, choosing your favourites? Honestly, the best thing about it is when you're doing one, you're excited to go back to the other one. And um, I think that's the thing, because, you know, I've, I've written, there's now nine books in uh, the bunnyverse, as we like to call it. Um, and I think the great thing is the Stranger Times book. I'm going to, I've, I've already written this, the first draft, the second one. That's what that is behind me. Um, the great thing is you change from doing one to the other. It lets you explore a different thing. Because to be honest with you, as a writer, I've, I, I did a master's. I did half a master's in creative writing. Um, and then I left because I didn't find it particularly useful beyond chatting to other writers and doing that, which was great. Uh, but I'm basically teaching myself as I go how to write books and stuff. So I'm always, as I, I keep saying emails, I'm always trying to push myself and write a different book. And I never want to write. It's why Bunny left Ireland. I didn't want to write the same stuff again and again and again. I just thought it was important to expand myself all the time. And the great thing with The Stranger Times is it's let me do other stuff. And I think it's going to, I honestly believe it's going to improve the Bunny books. And like I wrote The Quiet Man after I'd written uh, Stranger Times. And I'd like to think it's the best Bunny book. And I like to think it's uh, part of that was kind of I'd, I'd learned some I'd learned some tricks from doing the stranger times mm, absolutely Sarah asks Sarah Cox asks is that a plan for another book behind you now you've hinted at this should we should we talk about this now yes this is um you can see I'll, I'll even move the little camera do that that up there if people always ask how you do books that looks like a complete mess uh, there is actually some some method to the madness this is because weirdly because as I say the stranger times is my first traditionally published book. Um, with the lovely people, the trans world. So weirdly, um, I have to I had to submit the second book before the first one was published. So the, the, I've now completed the first draft of the next Stranger Times book, which I'm pretty pleased with. Um, but this is how I lay it out. And to give you a quick thing, this, again, this is how the bunny books work as well. All those different colours are like a different character. Because you know, in all of my books, I go from one character to another character. So like in, in the bunny books, you'll be like the last, The Quiet Man, for example, it was... Um, Bunny, then the sisters, then somebody else, the, the warden, then back to them. So all of that, the different colours were like that. And again, for the Stranger Times, that's Bancroft and Hannah and all those things. And then all the post-it notes here, when I'm writing something, if I'm writing chapter 30 and I think of something that should have happened in the first five chapters that will set up something in chapter 30, I whack up a post-it note and then I remember to do that when I'm rewriting it. So yeah, there's all that's how it all works out. And then it's because you can do all that on a screen, but I find it so much better to... I can literally turn around. The dog is usually sitting in a bed behind me. I can sit there for half an hour just petting the dog's head while he's trying to sleep, staring at the board until my brain goes, all right, that makes sense all of a sudden. So, yeah, that's my, my method as to, to sound really quite wanky. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Um, let's let's talk about the, the bigger world around Stranger Times because it's not just a book. There are podcasts, there's a website, there's a whole world out there that, that people can explore. What Tell us how that came about and why you did that. Yeah, uh, well, the short answer is 2020. Um, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but it's, it's been a little bit. Uh, I say 2020 slash 2021 at this point. Um, but yeah, honestly, what happened last year was a strange time was coming out and I was going to do, I've, you know, I've given away short stories with the bunny boxes, which I'm sure everyone's a fan will probably have got that. If not, sign up to the main list uh, and you'll get one. But I, I was doing a couple for The Stranger Times, honestly, and it really was just, I'm going to do a couple because I had a couple of nice ideas. And then um, last year, because it was kind of, to be honest, we were supposed to go to like holidays and we're supposed to be in America at some point and all this, none of which obviously happened. We all know why. Um, 
I kind of needed sort of breaks just to keep myself mentally stimulated from just doing the books. And I started short stories were a great fun way. And the great thing with the Stranger Times in particular, uh, the one advantage it probably has over the Bunnyverse is that um, paranormal stuff just instantly gives you great ideas for a short story. I mean, like you and me, Mark, could go to an episode of uh, Copy the 14 Times right now and mm-hmm. we could pick out five stories each and go, oh, that'd be a short story. Just instantly, yeah. you know, like some guy dresses as a gorilla is living in the um, the attic of his wife's ex-wife's house for two weeks. That's a story. I mean, it's not a novel, but it's definitely, oh, it's perfect for a short story. Anything odd like that is great for a short story. So I just wrote a couple of more, really just thought, well, we'll use them for something. And then I had them and I thought, I, I, as again, I know so many wonderful people who are stand-up comedians, really talented in so many ways, who are frankly sitting around with nothing to do because live performance is not a thing. So um, I kind of got the idea about, oh, I should get some of them to narrate it. Like, we'll get a couple to narrate stories. And we got... Started off getting a friend of mine called Toby Haydoke, a great friend of ours who who did a brilliant job, and he's done narration before. And then we got um, Ben, who was in Game of Thrones, uh, who's an amazing actor, been in so much brilliant stuff. But I actually just met him because he's actually a stand-up comedian. Weirdly, people don't know he's a stand-up comedian because his acting career went mental. But he's So he did another one for us. He was the first one in the episode. And then we got Laura Lex. And then it just sort of became a thing where it got fun to right ideas and to be honest even now what's what's really cool now is people have heard them enjoy them and people stand-ups did such a brilliant job doing them everyone who's done them i've really enjoyed them but now there's loads of other stand-ups who said oh i'll do one and there's actually some really really great people that i'm now going to write a story specifically for um and they are gonna and the other thing about it is it's basically what's great is i've sort of it's helped me build a universe around it where i'm doing stuff in the short stories and things have come up in short stories for example, there's a character in The Stranger Times, um, Stanley, I think that's right. Um, I'm so bad with names, who's a tabloid journalist. I did a short story involving him, which you can see if you sign up to The Stranger Times, uh, the main list, which you can get to at thestrangertimes.co.uk. Um, and there's a book, there's a, there's a short story called uh, Dance with the Devil and that, which is about him. And then he actually ends up becoming... Um, uh, becoming a big bigger part of the second book and it just and there's other things i figured out like there's a quite cool thing with tattoos in the world and what they mean just to give a little hint for the second book which is a quite cool thing and by the way about the podcast more importantly than anything the theme song is brilliant Uh, it's written by a man called alan mcguire who is my oldest friend he literally sat beside me in school i say he sat beside me in school he rarely turned up but when he was there uh, he had a I mean, to be honest, he was he was homeschooling before it was popular. Oh my God, he's here! I did not realize that. Hello, Alan. <laughs> um, but yes, it was him. It was me, and it was a man called Pascal Donahue, who is now the Irish Minister of Finance. Who, God love him, has to find the money for everybody being furloughed. I'm so much happier I took this job. <laughs> <laughs> How's the touch typing going? And have you made a friend with the Y key? Because you've been complaining about this, haven't you? And it is, it is yeah, yeah. tricky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, I've, for, for those of you, I've decided weirdly, uh, my New Year's resolution was when I was home in Ireland, because we went home and did isolation for two weeks, just to be clear, good citizens. And then we stayed with my mother for a couple of weeks. Um, and while I was there, I decided I was going to learn how to touch type. So I now have the uh, the weird split keyboard thing. And uh, it's, it, it's, it's getting better. Put it this way, the email I'm guessing most people here received today I touch type that. Thank you very much. 
It's very good. It's going pretty well. Still, I like the the Y is still a prick, and I may write. I'll be honest. I might change the spelling of Buddy's name and stick an I at the end, uh, just because really don't like the Y key. But outside of that, <laughs> have you ever tried the uh, the dictation thing where you you know you can lounge on your sage lounge and dictate the novel? <laughs> Honestly, a friend, a good friend of yours and mine, Ian Sainsbury, does that, and he was he's, he explained it to me. I can't even begin to start thinking about what it. Bear in mind, I cannot get my own phone to say my name correctly. Um, yeah. I think if I, if I spoke the Queen's English, uh, but I wasn't raised to do that. Uh, <laughs> very grand under a flag for a reason. Uh, I, I speak like this. No, but yeah, no. So I, I honestly, the dictation thing, I as it is, I speak far too fast. So I think I need a keyboard just to slow me down to normal human levels. As it is, a lot of you, God love you, the Americans, I hope you can understand what I'm saying. You might well be standing there going, it's like seeing an Englishman talk to a fax machine. Um, <laughs> um, but, oh, by the way, just I just, I just not to steal your thunder, Mark, I just saw a couple of questions there. When is the audio version of The Quiet Man due? Very soon. Uh, we, we actually have the files. There was a little technical difficulty, but I have them. We just need to re-record a couple of them. But it's coming very soon, I promise uh, what does the cake stand for? Oh, yeah. C.K. McDonald, uh, genuinely. I, think, I don't know if you know this, Mark, because you and me have the same agent, uh, the wonderful Ed. You, and I must have explained to you how I ended up being C.K., did I? Did I tell you You this? know what? I, I don't recall, so share it I'll with tell you again. Well, basically, uh, they didn't want to use – we didn't want to use Queeve because we use that for the buddy books, and it's best to have a different name for different genres on Amazon anyway. But So I said – I put on the manuscript uh, C slash K which was supposed to stand for Queeve slash Kevin, because I don't know if most of you know this, but Queeve is short for Queeveen, which is the origin of Kevin. And um, I put C slash K. Ed, our agent, just looked at him and went, oh, CK, okay, fair enough, CK McDonald. And it, we sort of had a nice ring to it. And to be honest, bless him, my editor, Simon, is a lovely, lovely man at Transworld, such a good editor, such a nice man. But he's also, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, it's not an insult, he's very English. Tremendously English man. He genuinely, that stereotype that you Americans have of an Englishman, um, I think Simon kind of fulfills some of it in the best way possible, to be absolutely clear. He's never taken over a country I'm from, not once. But he's a lovely <laughs> man. Um, but I remember it coming up in conversation. And when we said, oh, we'll use like CK instead of Queeve, I remember how relieved he looked because he was obviously dreading the conversation where he has to go to an Irishman going, would you mind being less Irish? Because it's really quite inconvenient. Because I'll be honest, nobody can spell Queeve. Nobody can say Queeve. They get very angry if you ask them to. So we decided it made sense. So weirdly, my dad did get annoyed because he went, that's not your initials any which way. Your, your middle name is Gerard. Um, but yeah, C actually is weirdly, I've got my name in two languages. That's where CK comes from. Excellent yes. stuff. Now, coming back to Stranger Times, okay, yes. uh, there's an audio book uh, that's out there. Or um, was was there some issue with uh, the United States? Yes. Do you want to? Americans, because there's been a few people asking um, what's going on with it. Weirdly, they have a bit of trouble. There's, there's a weird glitch on um, Audible. The, in the States where the book isn't available. It's available everywhere else on um, audio in America, so any other audible, any other providers, uh, but not audible.com. Weirdly, some people got around it, though, which is really odd. If you can't get it, send Wonder Wife an email or send it through to just reply to our email, and we have a link we can send you, which bizarrely seems to work. But I think it's getting fixed in the next day anyway. It's just one of those, one of, Amazon are, you know, great in some ways. 
I'm not going to slag them off because I think they've probably got bots listening to every uh, live thing to find out if you do. But they are rather intransigent. It is kind of like trying to negotiate with the, the government or something. Um, so, yeah, they do have a few things like that. But I think it's getting sorted out in the next 24 hours. But, yeah, thank you because a few people have mentioned it this tonight and we luckily figured it out now just before we came on air. Some people are asking about uh, the paperback and book two. Any? Can you give us any kind of timeline for those? Uh, book two should be in January 2022, where, for the love of God, the world will be a better place. Um, if it's not, then me and the dog are going to do that thing. It'd be like that film, The Road, where we're just heading out. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, not far, because I can't walk anywhere near. But, yeah. Um, so, yes, I think... 20, January 2022, which sounds so weird to say now. Um, mm. And I think the paperback, I think it was supposed to be happening in like July, August, but I think because of the pandemic, uh, it might be happening in January 2022 as well. But obviously, if you're on the main list, we'll, we'll let you know uh, well before that. Although, if you live in Australia, apparently you can get a paperback there now. That's uh, just one of the many great reasons to live in Australia. That's uh, that's the trade paperback. Uh, it's generally cheaper to print them in paperback. So I worked in publishing books only for 25 years. I could talk about C formats and trade paperbacks all evening. But we're not here to talk about that. Sorry to come, but I've, just, I've seen a couple of messages. First off, Alfie Joey's uh, just seen his face. The wonderful Alfie Joey. I love him to bits. He's a wonderful man. He was a fabulous stand-up comedian and just a wonderful MC. And he actually does a show on BBC Newcastle. I did a, a thing with him yesterday, and it was so lovely. I genuinely, we were talking to heard earlier on, Alfie, I was talking about missing stand-up comedy and i missed stand-up comedians because i was talking to yourself with toby foster today and i realized how much i missed uh hanging out with people like that so thank you very much for having me on uh and i hope i didn't swear on your show i think i didn't um and uh and everyone else is this a trilogy Stephen armitage fingers crossed it's more than a trilogy i would like to write for the stranger times for quite some time because i've got a lot of ideas and same with buddy i don't see an end in sight i'm happy to say um so want a reading. Shall we do the, uh, would you like to do the reading? Let's do that now. Let's do that now. And then maybe right. we can line up giveaways and then we've got music coming. So there's more to yes. come, folks. Yes, my God, it's 12 minutes. Right. Uh, you're about to see uh, literary history, ladies and gentlemen. I will be the first author in history to read from the acknowledgements of his own book. I thank you. And to be clear, uh, these acknowledgements are not written by me. They're written by Minty van der Flirt, who is the psychic obituarist for The Stranger Times because I have basically predicted how everyone involved with the book is going to die. <clears throat> but the author has asked me to thank the following people. Simon Taylor, editor extraordinaire, who dies in a boating accident while on a holiday in 2076. The accident is especially tragic, as the UK is still in lockdown at the time, and he will be sitting in his front room reading a book when it happens. Authorities will initially be baffled as to how a speedboat hit a landlocked apartment. Rebecca Wright, a different but equally important type of editor, dies while trying to scale the fourth bridge in an effort to correct a particularly egregious spelling of the word transcendental in some graffiti. Judith Welch, all-seeing, all-knowing managing editor, who dies while riding an enraged bull through the streets of Leamington Spa, dressed as all of Henry VIII's wives and being chased by a pack of irate, one-eyed Boy Scouts on mopeds. There is a fascinating story behind how that comes to happen, but sadly, space in this publication is limited. Marianne Isa El Cahur, who I've just realised I didn't check the, the pronunciation of her name, and I have absolutely butchered that. I cannot apologise enough. And the woman is a genius cover designer, 
who dies a tantalising six feet from the summit of Mount Everest. A particularly galling way to go, as she'd initially only get out to the corner shop for some tea bags, and things sort of escalated. Sophie Bruce and Ruth Richardson for their marketing expertise. Sophie will die tragically when the skywriting plane she is piloting runs out of fuel in the middle of a promotional stunt for a book she is launching. The inquest will agree that the sequel to the previous book where What's-His-Face and Thinking Me Bob look like they're about to finally get it on but somehow don't, but at least there's, they managed to solve a crime amidst all the sexual tension and there's a good bit with a dog, is really too long a title for a book. Ruth dies when the aforementioned skywriting plane lands in her house, which really is spectacularly bad luck. Tom Hill for his PR brilliance. He will die when crushed by a stampede of delirious readers, desperate to get hold of a copy of a book that he is promoting. He should be remembered as having died from a job well done, although the autopsy will go with the rather less prosaic, massive internal injuries. The author would also like to thank all of the wonderful staff at Transworld, who live long and happy lives before dying in weird and interesting ways, all inexplicably involving cauliflower. Gushings of thanks to super agent Ed Wilson, who was initially feared dead when swept up in an avalanche of unsolicited manuscripts from would-be writers. However, it is later discovered that he merely used that as an opportunity to start a new life with his family. He renames himself Eddie Big Ideas Munch and Gladback and embarks on a career as an inventor. He eventually dies by execution, being the first person in over a century to do so when it is discovered he was behind a tragically ill-conceived speedboats delivered to your door scheme. His wondrous partner in crime and foreign rights, Helene Butler, goes on to enjoy great success writing, directing and producing the hit film Speed Kills, The Ed Wilson Story. She dies from a particularly bad glass of champagne at the Oscars. Thanks to Scott Pack, who shuffles off this mortal coil while disrupting and reinventing the publishing world in general, but in particular from not looking up from his phone while simultaneously tweeting and walking. Thanks to Khan Johnson, Sam Gore, Graham Gorin, Gary Delaney, who joined the long line of people who have unsuccessfully reinvented the submarine. And to all of those who would go on to contribute to the Stranger Times podcast, particularly Alan McGuire, who did the music. And uh, they are all tragically hunted down and killed by some guy who was, ironically, a big fan of the podcast and the website. Because people in general, and men in particular, are weird. Thank you to Mammy and Daddy McDonald, who die as they lived spelling out the name McDonald to people over the phone who still inexplicably write it down the wrong way. I mean, seriously, two N's and two L's. How fucking hard is that? Finally, thank you to Elena Forey, a.k.a. Wonder Wife, for a list of things far too long to be contained in print. She lives forever, but never remarries. Consider yourselves duly acknowledged. Thank you for listening to the Stranger Times podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please leave a rating wherever you get your pods. It really does help. And the Stranger Times novel by C.K. McDonnell is out on January the 14th, 2021 and is available to pre-order right now from all good bookshops and some bad ones. And check out StrangerTimes.com for more weird news and to sign up to the newsletter where you can also get yourself a sweet free ebook containing some Stranger Times short stories. This podcast is produced by Rob B at BEE, with Ed Wilson exec producing, and all materials are copyright McFory Inc. Limited. All of the short stories are written by me, CK McDonald, 
And I also write the news with additional material by Sam Gore, Graham Goring, Cam Johnson, Mick Ferry, Scott Bennett, Andy White and Juliette Myers. The news is read by James Cook and the music is done by Alan McGuire with John McCullough as musical Sven Galley. 